morning. We've been going, we've been going through this summer, uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians. And as we've been talking about it, we've said that this is one of Paul's earliest letters. It, it covers, uh, it was one of the first letters that he wrote. It's one of Paul's important letters because it covers some really basic, fundamental things. But we also said that this is probably Paul's most passionate letter. Paul is angry when he writes this letter. He is really ticked off. And the language that he uses is strong. And, and the arguments that he uses are strong. And, and so it's just fascinating to see what Paul is so passionate about. And, and it's really interesting what we're going to look at this morning. In order to understand kind of what the problem was, in order to understand why Paul wrote this letter, I want to again go back, and we won't have to do this in a couple of weeks, but still it's important for us now to get this kind of the background of it. What we have here is, is a map, and, and the, the problem that Paul saw was that this one group of Christians down here, what we call the final step Christians, they were Jewish Christians. They had been raised as Jewish people. They had obeyed the law, been circumcised. They, they obeyed the Sabbath laws. They obeyed the food laws. They obeyed all those laws. And then they became Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. And they said, we know what God wants. We know how to follow God, how to obey God. So they continued to do those things. They continued to follow those laws. But they became concerned about this other group of Christians up there, those Galatian Christians up there. You see, they were Gentile Christians. They didn't know anything about the law. They hadn't been raised in that. They knew Jewish people were a little bit weird in some of the things they did, but they really didn't understand it. And the problem was, the final step Christians were concerned that Paul, and he's over here, he's the one who told the, the Galatian Christians about Jesus, but that Paul told them about Jesus, which was great and fantastic and wonderful, but that Paul never told them about the law. Paul never told them about Moses. Paul never told them the full story. They, they still had another step to take. Paul didn't tell them that they needed to be circumcised. Paul didn't tell them that they needed to avoid pork. Paul didn't tell them all these things, okay? And, and, and so they felt like, look, we're worried about them. And so out of their Christian love, they went up and they talked to the Galatian Christians and they said, let us fill you in. Let us fill you in. Let us tell you what you really need to do. Let us show you. And they got out their Bibles, their, what we call the Old Testament. They got out the Scriptures, and they said, look, here's the law of God. Study it, learn it, and live it out. And then they went back down uh, to Jerusalem there. It, as far as we can tell from Paul's letter, and this is part of why he was so angry, the Galatian Christians, they were excited about this. They were like, oh, this is so good. Now we can finally do what we're supposed to do. Now we finally feel like we belong. Now we finally feel like we're doing the right thing. We're doing the important stuff. We're, 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 we're looking at this, and we're stopped eating pork, and we're doing all this stuff. So they're really excited about it. And, and I think in some way they share their excitement with Paul, whether they send him a letter or something. They're like, Paul, we are so much growing in Christ. We are so much growing because we came and we learned about Moses. And, and when Paul hears about it, he is just hopping mad. He is so angry because he says, you're losing everything. You're losing everything. And if you stop and think about it, it's kind of weird. Somebody comes up and teaches them how to do Bible study, and Paul gets ticked off about it. Paul gets really angry about it. What in the world is going on? Okay, why was Paul angry? I want to suggest that there are three things that Paul held to, three beliefs that Paul had, that, that this is why he was so passionate, okay? So first, and this is really basic, but it, but it helps us understand what Paul is talking about and, and what the problem is that we're going to address today. But first of all, Paul believes with all his heart that being accepted, justified, forgiven, saved by God is the greatest thing in the absolute whole world. Okay, There's nothing more important because in Christ, when we are accepted by God, when we are justified, when we are saved, we're forgiven and, and we're given new life and, and we get the Holy Spirit 
Paul says, okay, so we got the, the most important thing in the whole world. Okay, that's, that's over here, okay? Now, Paul says the only way we get that, the gospel, the good news, the only way we get that is by, by, because of faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that we do. We put our faith in Jesus Christ, and we get all these blessings, right? We get all this benefit. We get all this wonderful stuff from God that God wants to give us, forgive our sins, new life, the Holy Spirit. It's only Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is angry about, he's angry about anything that gets in the way of people accepting that gift, that gets in the way of people receiving that, experiencing the Holy Spirit. He's angry about it when that happens. And this is what's really fascinating and why this is so challenging this morning. Even if it's God's word, even if it's God's word, Paul will be angry if God's word keeps you, if it keeps you from knowing Jesus. And that sounds crazy. Sounds crazy to us, but it sounds crazy to them. I mean, what Paul says, and this is the heart of it, the problem of Galatia, in in Galatia is the law of God. The problem is, and and that's, I mean, that's the first five books of the Old Testament here, right? I mean, that's, that's this. And now Paul is all of a sudden saying to him, by the way, your problem is you're doing Bible study. Your problem is you're looking at the Word of God too much. I mean, that's what it would be like. It would be like me saying, the problem at Hillside is you guys got to quit reading your Bible. Quit trying to obey God that way. Quit trying to follow it. I mean, that's what it would have sounded like. The Jewish Christians would have been just obsessed and unbelievably frustrated with Paul for saying this. But that's what he does. I mean, the, the problem in Galatia is the law of God. And the Jewish people, you got to recognize, and, and we have a sense of this because we recognize the Bible is a great gift from God to us, Right? God, this is God's word. I mean, the Jewish people felt that way probably even stronger about the Old Testament. This was God's greatest gift. Psalm 119.97. This whole psalm goes on and talks about how great the law is. Oh, Lord, how I love your law. I meditate on it day, all day long. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Don't be, don't be taken on the law, Paul. The law of the Lord is perfect perfect, refreshing, giving life to the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Those statutes, those laws are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Right? I mean, the law, I love your law, O Lord. Some of us sang that growing up. I can remember that old hymn, right? I love your law. I won't do it. Anyway, now Paul comes along. And when he writes Galatians, he talks about the law. Basically, what Paul says about the law is all negative. Paul says it's dangerous. Paul says it's, it's a challenge. It's a problem. It's difficult. Up to this point, we've seen, and we haven't really focused on these statements yet. We'll do a little more today. But, but Paul has said three negative things about the law. The first thing Paul says is the law, law never saved anybody. The law never made anybody acceptable in God's eyes. The law never justified anybody. It doesn't have the power to do that. It can't do that. Galatians 2.15. In, in the first part of 16, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, we know that a person is not justified by the works of law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Why? I mean, let's just be honest, folks. By the works of the law, no one will be justified. You can't be saved by anything you do. You can't make God love you. You can't be The law doesn't have any power. The law can't save anyone. Paul said, in fact, you want to know when I started really living for God? You want to know when my spiritual life took off? When I died to the law. Can you imagine me getting up here and saying, I stopped reading the Bible, then I really knew Jesus. 
Again, it's not quite that, but it it would feel that way, okay? It would have felt that way to them. Paul says this, Galatians 2.19, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I died to the law so that. In other words, I was being kept from living for God because of the law of God. Now, that's an interesting situation, right? All right. Paul had to die to the law so he could live for the law. And he said, last week, Daniel talked about this. The law never helped anyone receive the Holy Spirit. The law never did that. Galatians 3, verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? What was it? You guys, you had the Holy Spirit, man. It was amazing what was going on there. You were doing miracles, all this stuff. You had the Holy Spirit. Did you do it because you obeyed the law? No, it was before those people came. You got it when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you again, verse 5, just a little bit later, all right? It wasn't the works of the law. I ask you again, does God give you a spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? It wasn't the works of the law. Paul is poking a sacred cow, so to speak. A good gift from God. And it's kind of difficult for us to know what to do. I'll be honest. This is, this is well, I'll be really honest. Eric's going to preach next week, and he was like, I can't believe you did this, because I'm going to get in so much trouble if I just say what Paul says. <laughs> it's scary to say what Paul says. He's exactly right. He is going to get in trouble. Um, up to this point, Paul has just said, the law can't do this, okay? It doesn't have power. It doesn't give the Holy Spirit the law. Now he wants to say, but it's not just as if it's just that. He says, now I'm going to tell you something. In fact, Paul says in in 3.10, Paul says, it's not that it just can't do this. It has one power. It doesn't have the power to save, but it has one power. You know what it has the power to do? To destroy you. It has the power to curse you. It has the power to wipe you out. Trying to obey God's law can actually destroy us. Trying? Did the pastor just say trying to be good can kill us? Really? Some of you are going, I I think I like this church. This is what Paul's talking about, right? It can be dangerous. The law of God, this is what's crazy, that he's saying the law of God can be dangerous to our souls, and I want you to, that's the heart of what I want you to understand this morning, that it can be dangerous. Galatians 3.10, Paul says this, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. And it's not just a curse, it's God's curse, okay? So Paul wants to say when it comes to the law, again, this isn't all that Paul's going to say, but if all he had was Galatians, this would be strange. But, but, but Paul's primary word, his only word for the Galatians, but his primary word to all of us is when it comes to the law, watch out. Be really careful. Be really careful when you're talking about how you're supposed to live. Really? Don't say that to our kids, Ron. No, we've got to be so careful. Watch out when we're talking about the law because trying to obey God's law can put us under God's curse. That's what we need to think about today, okay? And, and what, what in the world's going on? Why does Paul say this? How, how can this be? How can God's word come between us and God? How can God's word be a problem? I want to suggest that Paul gives us two reasons. Two ways that God's word isn't just unable to save us, but two ways that Paul's word actually curses us. Or that God's word, rather, actually can put us under a curse, Okay. And then we're going to illustrate it, and then we'll look at another illustration from Paul himself, okay? So wh- how can it be that our trying to be good, that our trying to obey God's law, that our trying as hard as we can can actually put us under a curse? Two things. One, because we can never fully obey God's law. 
And, and you don't get to jump into it part way, Paul says. Again, back to Galatians 3.10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, and Paul wants to say the law itself teaches us this. Fascinating. He's going to use the law to say that the law is a problem. Okay, because the law itself says, Deuteronomy, as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Deuteronomy 27, 26. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything. Now, interestingly, if some of you want to go look it up, the word everything is not in Deuteronomy 27, 20. It's in 28, 1. So Paul, it's okay. He's not really playing games. But if you look up 27, 26, he actually takes from 28, 1. But, but Paul says, you know, here's the deal. When you go down that road... When you start to say, yeah, I'm going to try to be good, what happens is that we have to then take on all of the law, and we just can't make it. And the danger is, though, and here's the way it is. Whenever there's a a list, whenever there's a to-do something, we may look at it and say, oh, I can't do that. But then we actually start to believe that we can obey the law. It happens to each and every one of us. We start to believe that we can obey the law. Not that we're perfect, but the Jewish people didn't think they were perfect. When they blew it, they said they were sorry. They offered sacrifices. They were forgiven. And so I'm not saying I'm perfect, but when I do fail, and by the way, I don't fail in big ways. I mean, I don't commit adultery. I I don't rob banks. My sins are small. And so really, in comparison to everyone else, I'm not doing too bad. And when I start to look at and, and focus on how I'm living, I start to say, you know what? Actually, I think I'm about 80%. And that's passing. Now, I'll tell you the truth. Because humility is such an important part of my life, I'm actually a 90%. Who are we kidding? 95%. I'm actually a 95%, but I'm humble, so I'm only going to say 80%. And that's good enough, right? That's, and it just happens we start to say, you know, Jesus is good, but i got to do my part too, and I'm doing my best, and I think that'll be good enough for God. You ever said that? You ever heard anybody say it? I did right after the service this morning. I'm doing my best, and I just hope that's... It ain't. Your best is not good enough to God. 80% is not passing. 90% is not passing. 95% is not passing. 99.9999999999% is not passing. you got to do everything. It just doesn't work, including the core of it. See, I want to I measure myself on external things. The heart of the law is love. Love your God and love your neighbor. And ain't none of us can do that. Paul says, when you go that route, when you start saying, look it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do my best so that God will like me. I'm going to do my best. It just kills you. Because cursed is everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law. We fail. We can't do it. And it doesn't mean that we just end up where we are. We end up cursed when we tie ourselves to the law. When we play that game. So that's the first thing. Cursed is everyone. And, and, and we can never fully obey the law. The second reason that the law is, is one that puts us under a curse is, is because by focusing on the law... And when we focus on obeying the law, we lose our focus on Jesus. See, in Paul's world, there's Jesus and there's the law. There's faith and there's works. And it's one or the other. You don't get to choose both. It's not a little bit of both. When you go to the law, you go fully in. And that means you don't go to Jesus. 
When you do that, you get time. He says it in verses 11 and 12. Verse 11 says this, Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. All right, what is he saying there? What he's saying is, it's not by law, okay? It's not by law, it is by faith. It's not by law, it is by faith. And again, that's from Habakkuk 2 verse 4, right? The righteous will live by faith. It's not by law, you have to choose. You're going to live by faith, you're going to live by law. Once you go law, you lost faith. All right? Because the law, verse 12, is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Not who trusts in these things. It's the person who does. The law is based not on trusting in God. The law is based on trusting in me. And that means I'm not trusting in Jesus, and that means I'm cursed. That means I am dead and crushed, completely gone. Obeying the law can keep me from focusing on Jesus. So those two things. Because we can never fully obey the law. And because, because it takes us away from Jesus, Paul says the law is not just powerless, it's, it's crushing us. And the law itself is, is hurting us. Let me, let me try to illustrate that. We're going to go back to something we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Um, two weeks ago, the last time I was here. But, um, okay, again, this is us right down here. We're sinners, right? God's place is the penthouse. He's perfect. And the question is, how do we get to be with God? Our sin keeps us down here. How do we get to be with God? And the basic religious answer is the law, right? I mean, in, in Islam, that's the way it is. In so many religions, that's the way it is, the law. We obey the law, and then, and then God will accept us, okay? And so Paul has said, and, and, and the Jewish people would agree with him, they, the law never works, okay? So the gospel is Jesus. So we go over there doors open up. We give Jesus a heart. He shakes us up. And here's where there's a problem with the, with the, the, Galatia, or the Jewish, the, the final step Christians, those Judaizers. What they said is, okay, Paul, we understand Jesus takes us most of the way. We understand Jesus does that, but there still needs to be a little bit of law. We still need to do something. We still need to obey some what? Now, up to this point, what Paul has said is the law doesn't work. We try to climb it, we fall down. But what Paul is saying now is not only does it not work, but it curses us. When we try to climb it, it curses us. Because when we choose to try the law, we get crushed by it. And I'll try to show you what that means. What happens is the law gets a hold of us. It's like we get tied in. And now the law crushes us. Not once, not twice, but three times a lady and gone. And, and what Paul is saying, that's, that's, I mean, that's why Paul says, the law, it's so dangerous. Because you climb on it, and it crushes you. You climb on it, and it's the law that's doing it. Because cursed is everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law, right? Now Paul says, that's what the law does. It crushes you. But folks who rely on the law... And the works of the law are under a curse. Martin Luther got this much and said, I hate the law. That's why I wanted to get rid of the book of James because it sounded too much like the law. He was like, you see, it's just horrible. Let's get rid of it. Whew, that's strong. We'll have to come back and see if that's right or not. But uh, the law is there. Now, the good news is Paul says, this is not the end of the story. Paul can never leave us crushed. There's gospel, right? Paul says, because, you know, there's, there's this rule about being crushed by this. Something changes because Jesus. See, Jesus was not guilty, and yet the law crushed him. And that changes everything. 
It says, Christ redeemed us from the law. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, by dying on the cross, by taking our place. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Again, he's rooting it in the law itself, right? Cursed is everyone. So what Paul says is this. We're there. We're tied up in the law. And, and if you say, well, what about the Gentiles? They didn't have the law. Romans, Romans, Paul says, we all have the law in our hearts, okay? So we all try to play this game. We all get caught up in this. And what happens is Jesus, Jesus has got his arms out. That's how you know he's not us, okay? And his heart is perfect, okay? As perfect as I could make it. Jesus comes to us there, takes our place, goes to the cross, is crushed by the cross. But there was that deeper truth that if someone who was sinless would be crushed by the cross, he redeemed us by becoming a curse for us. If someone who was sinless would come, he could come back. And he destroyed the power of the law. And he rose again. And he'd bring us to him. That's a Jewish us. Paul is talking there about first us as Jews. Christ redeemed us as Jews from the law by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us. Now here's where we get to come into the picture. Verse 14, right? He redeemed us, took our place in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So why did Jesus do that? Not just so that, not just so that the Jewish people could be forgiven and find new life, but so that we too could be forgiven and find new life. And then he brings us home to the Father. We're not done yet. You know, that we may come to the Gentiles through Christ so that by faith, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And Paul says, that's how it happens. All the law did in my story was crush Jesus and anybody who is not in him. All the law did is crush him. It was by faith, not by law. And if you go back to the law, it'll just put you under God's curse. Woo! I'm scared, honestly, right now of of just... Because it feels like, well, what do we stand on then, Paul? Seriously? Gotta be something. Yeah, it's Jesus. It's Jesus and then the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but I want more. (laughs) Give me a little ladder, Paul. Give me a... It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Paul looks at it another way. He says, let me show you again how the curse, uh, the law can become a curse. And he, and he uses an example from inheritance, okay? Brothers and sisters, let me make an, uh, take an example from everyday life. He says, just as no one can set, aside, add, can set aside or add to a human covenant a will that has been duly established. So, if, if my dad makes up a will, and it's legal, it's notarized, it's all right, it's all there, when he dies, you can't change it. You can't add conditions to it. You can't, you can't alter it in any way. Nobody can do that. Paul says that's the way it is with the, with the law. So let me first of all show you, we do dad's assets. His house, money, business, okay? And in this case, um, he recognizes I'm much better than any of my brothers or sisters, so I get everything. And I didn't want to have too many people over here. So, but dad's, you know, you, you know, he passes away, we grieve, you read the will, Boom. You get the stuff, right? That's the way it works. If you noticed, it became a little bit smaller because the government took their chunk out of it. But that's, that's another sin that we don't need to talk about today. So, so what, we, what we have going on here is, is, is Paul says it's like this. You're acting, when you bring back the law, you're acting as if the will all of a sudden has a to-do list. As if 
we read the will, and I said, great, move the assets into my account. And they said, well, no, Ron, actually, we're going to add some things to it. You need to get in a little better shape. You need to straighten out this part of your life. You need to do that. And when you do that, when you do that, then you can get this stuff. Paul says, no. No, there's no to-do list. You can't do that. That's illegal. That's, you can't do that. No one can set aside or add to a human covenant. He says, that's the way it is. He says, the promise was spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Okay? So, we're going to get a little Old Testament lesson here. But now we're talking not about dad's riches, but, well, dad's blessings, God's blessings of forgiveness, new life, the Holy Spirit, and, and, and the promise, the covenant made with Abraham. I will bless you, Genesis 12, verse 3, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed to you. It's made to Abraham and his seed and to the whole world, okay? And, 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 and the promise is that God will bless the whole world through Abraham and his seed and, and all of that. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Now, Paul says, but here's the deal. We've got to understand something. We didn't notice it at first. But he says, if you look closely, Scripture does not say antecedes, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, which is Christ. Okay, and in, 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 it's interesting. Paul kind of looks back and says, we didn't pick this up. Who would have? But really, the deal is this, that the promise comes first to Christ, then to the Jews, then to the world, us. So what it is is God's blessing are there, the promise is there, and it's first to Christ, then to Jewish people, and then to the world, okay? It's first of all there. So that's, that's how it works, and, and that's how we experience God's blessing. Both the Jew and us, the Gentile, okay? That's what, God, that's what God promised through Abraham. Blessings come first to Christ, then to the Jews, then to the world. What I mean is this, and here's where the problem comes. What you're doing is you're taking the law, the law of Moses, which was added 430 years later. We have promise. 430 years later comes the law, and you're acting as if it stops the promise. You're acting as if it, if it becomes conditional, makes the promise conditional. It does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it's, it's one or the other, right? It's no longer on the promise. And so Paul says, okay, here's the deal. It's there. And what you're acting like is the law came along and basically stopped the promise. Now, the blessing gets stopped there. Jesus was perfect, so he gets the blessings. But you and I are stuck here. And the law is a curse. Imagine that there's $2 billion waiting to go into your bank account. And somebody says, as soon as you run a marathon in an hour and a half, you get it. Curse your conditions. It becomes an impossibility. Right? That's what they were doing with the That's where something from God, when it becomes this, is a curse. And we live under a curse. For if inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. And the promise destroyed, not destroyed, but the promise is over the law, okay? The promise is what it takes. So the blessings come to Jesus, and then they come to us, and we find new life. Paul says, that's what I'm talking about. That's why I'm saying to you, watch out for the law. Be really careful. And again, it's scary to talk about this. Watch out for it, because this law can curse you. Not only does it not work, even though the law is from God, the law can't save us. And trying to put us 
and trying to, to live out the law, trying to obey God's law, can put us under a curse. All right. It's a good question coming up. Why then the law? <laughs> I mean, if it doesn't have the power to save us, if it doesn't have the, if, if it's going to crush us, if it's going to curse us, why then the law? That's what Eric's going to look at next week. <laughs> and he's going to make it perfectly clear. It's No, I mean, Paul wants to say, what, what's it different? It's interesting to see what he says. Really, it's worth it. If you don't come back, watch it online or whatever. But, but for today, what I want to say is just be really careful because it's Jesus. It's Jesus. We are forgiven by Jesus. We live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I know I sang, I love your law, Lord. And, and in some ways, we're going to come back and say it's not evil, but yet let's always be aware of how dangerous it is. It's not the law, even the law of God. It's not the rules. It's not trying to read your Bible more. It can't save you. Can't, reading your Bible more will not give you the Holy Spirit. Faith gives you the Holy Spirit. It's not making sure we don't say bad words. I'm saying say bad words. But not saying bad words doesn't give you forgiveness. It's faith, it's grace, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to stop here because I want to explain, but in reality what you do matters. In reality, here, you can do that. But this was good enough for Paul. How do we live, Paul? The Spirit will show you. But Paul, I want some rules. The Spirit will show you. Jesus and the Spirit, and if it's good enough for Paul, it's going to have to be good enough for us. We'll get to chapter 5. That's where Paul says, well, how do we live by the Spirit? Now you've got to come back later, too. guess you're stuck. It's Christ alone, not what my hands have done. And that much grace is scary to believe in. Let's pray together. Father, it, it feels like there's got to be more. There's a trick. There's another. Father, it's grace. It's grace alone, by faith alone. So teach us to know and trust and dare to believe that it's not what we do. Father, Remind us of your amazing love for us. And send your spirit, Lord. Teach us how to listen. Teach us how to keep in step. Teach us how to walk with the spirit. Because that's life. Not because you're going to stop loving us, but because we want to walk more and more in life. And so, we simply say, it's not what my hands have done, but it's Jesus who gives me life. We pray this in his name. Amen.